millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Premier League podcast from Talk Sport. I'm Alex Crook alongside me to review all the big weekend talking points and preview a busy midweek of the former Crystal Palace and Newcastle star Darren Ambrose and ex-Manchester City Leeds and England defender Danny Mills. Gone in seven minutes, not the latest Nicolas Cage film, but Liverpool's hopes of retaining their Premier League crown as Jurgen Klopp chucks in the title towel. Ugo Lloris helps Manchester City roll on and on and on. Plus, on Valentine's weekend, Tottenham fans are rapidly falling out of love with Jose Mourinho and can Parker pen the most unlikely of relegation great escapes? All that and more on the podcast that hits the target with the regularity of Matt Lowton, but the icy car of Ilkay Gundogan. It's the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. And a warm welcome to Danny Mills and Darren Ambrose, two former Premier League superstars. Evening, guys. Good evening. Evening. Former teammates as well, have you know. Yeah, of course, yeah. Almost forgot about that. <laughs> really? Well, I said mates, obviously but obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there that long. <laughs> Where did you two play together? Charlton. Yeah, it was my second spell at Charlton. Came down there on loan. I- I'd recommended that Alan Pardew and Phil Parkinson signed Ben Thatcher, uh, which didn't, you know, I think everyone was a bit dubious about. And then a year later, I joined uh, which he was even more dubious about, um, and, and it was it was going great until Christmas, and it all fell apart. And I left and went to Derby, and part of the team that got eleven points, uh, and then that was it. Career finished. Wow. I mean, actually, before this weekend, we, we were maybe talking about a, a few teams struggling to to hit twenty points in the Premier League, but obviously West Bromwich Albion giving their survival hopes to minor boost for that point against Manchester United and Fulham will come on to later as well. Uh, but let's start with Super Saturday and that certainly lived up to its billing with the champions floundering once again and the team desperate to steal their crown, further establishing themselves as the ones to catch. Liverpool lose today and this season will end up in heartbreak again. Here's uh, Henderson down the left side from the corner, back into the centre. Mane, then it's on to Firmino. What a brilliant save by Kasper Schmeichel at point-blank range. Amati forward, a flick by Madison, and now Vardy's in. He's behind Henderson. He shoots and hits the crossbar. Nice, no, a really poor finish, I have to say, from Jamie Vardy. Ten yards outside the area. It's right-footed by Alexander-Arnold towards the far corner, hits the bar and comes back out. And it beat Kasper Schmeichel, but couldn't beat the crossbar. Into Firmino, he's trying to get away from the defender. It comes to Salah. Oh! What a goal! Brilliant way to open the scoring. A combination between Firmino and Salah, which was almost intuitive. Please, Roberto Firmino, stop it. These people have got families. I mean, the bit of skill that he produces away from Ndidi is ridiculous. Barnes comes forward again towards the left angle of the area. Oh, that goes down under a challenge from Thiago. It's a penalty. VAR. Uh, has changed the decision and the penalty has been scrubbed out. The ball will be taken by Madison in towards the near corner, takes a little flick, goes straight in. It might well have gone straight in from James Madison. VAR is going to look at this again. They haven't made up their mind completely. Oh, they've given the goal now. 
Now they've changed their mind again. Ball has been sent long. Oh, it's been a huge mistake by Alisson, who's going to tangle. And Vardy's going to run it through and score. It's 2-1. And Leicester City have come from behind to lead against the champions. Indeedy down the left, onto Barnes, running into the area. He's got Vardy at the far post, doesn't need him. He finishes it off for Leicester City, who lead by three goals to one. And it's victory for Brendan Rodgers. The reigning champions have their hearts crushed on Valentine's weekend. It finishes Leicester 3, Liverpool 1. So we start at the King Power Stadium. Leicester City coming from behind to beat Liverpool by three goals to one. Two wins in ten now for Liverpool. Darren Ambrose, since they put seven past your former team, Crystal Palace. Is there a real danger here that the champions don't finish in the top four this season? I mean, there's a danger of it happening. I don't think... I, I think they will finish in the top four. I think they... They're, we, we've discussed this before. They're on a blip. It's a longer blip than it should be. Um, and it's happened at probably the worst time when games are coming thick and fast. But they're too good. You know, they're a fantastic team. They're too good to not finish in the top four. If, it, it, if they don't, it, it will be a travesty, I feel, this season. You can't go from Premier League champions to finish outside the top four. I mean, there's a lot going on, obviously, in, in, in Jurgen Klopp's life at the moment. So you can see how how he's finding it you know he's finding it very difficult at the moment and he's bound to you know with with his mother mother passing and and now the team in in such a such a rough um vein of form at the moment they're playing Leicester Leicester are a, a very good side and done what Leicester do you know they they took they took all Liverpool's pressure and then they 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 hit them when they needed to and Liverpool just kind of capitulated which is unlike Liverpool we know that um, so Leicester were brilliant there, there, there is a danger Liverpool don't finish in the top four I'll be very very surprised if, if they don't know Danny Darren alluded to it there and, and the devastating situation that, that Jurgen Klopp is having to deal with in his private life uh, the sad loss of his mother and unable even to attend her funeral due to the current COVID regulations. He was very emotional um, after the game, probably more emotional than we've seen him for a long, long time. Football is a, a strange and unforgiving industry in that respect, isn't it? Because in, in most cases, in most walks of life, when you suffer a bereavement like that, you would be given some kind of compassionate leave. But here we are, Jurgen Klopp, a few days after making that announcement on the touchline, trying to steer his team to victory. Yeah, it, it can be unforgiven, um, but let's not forget we are in the middle of a, a very incredible pandemic going on at the moment. Um, you know, let's think of all all the people that have suffered in this way. Uh, you know, that haven't been able to attend funerals, births of children. You know, all these types of things. You know, haven't seen sick relatives in nursing homes for, for a long, long time. And there'll be a lot of people that haven't seen people that have, have died and, and they've missed out on, on absolutely everything. So, yes, it's very, very difficult. Uh, and I, but I think it's down to Jurgen Klopp. If he wanted to take a, a little bit of a sabbatical, if he wanted to take a, a couple of weeks off, he can do it. I, I've been through personal tragedy myself during football times. And for me, it was have a game off and then get straight back into it as, as soon as possible. I know other people, you know, struggle and want a bit more time off. So I think that's a, a very much a, a personal thing. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, you have to go back to work. You know, you have to do that. If, if you want to choose to take time off, then fine. And of course, our condolences go out to his family and it's a very, very sad time. But I think, you know, you're a football manager, you turn up on, on the sidelines, you manage that football team you've got to get on with it. You know, simple as that. We've seen it through these times where managers have missed out because of COVID and they've put their number twos in charge. That could have been done. Um, so I, I don't think it's, yes, it's very, very sad, but I don't think it, it should be used as a reason or as an excuse. As a former defender, Danny, what did you make of, of the debut of uh, Ozan Kabak and in particular uh, the goal that he and Alisson were involved in? Was that, was that a defensive mistake? Was it very much uh, it the goalkeeper's door? <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, you know, it, it's, one of the, it's one of those for a Christmas video, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I said a couple of weeks back uh, on, on Talk Sport that I think Liverpool needed in the transfer window somebody like a Johnny Evans type figure. Leicester were never going to let him go. But, you know, 
a, a steady Eddie, someone mm. that's been there, seen it, done it, that was just going to come in and was just going to be nice and solid at the back. It was going to be six and a half, seven out of ten every single week. You know, it wasn't going to be a Virgil van Dijk replacement. Obviously, they've gone for two new signings, one out of the championship and, and one coming in from abroad, which is difficult, you know, in, in this current climate. And of course, you know, the Allison having made a, a previous mistake, you know, the, the earlier or the week before, because he had cold feet, um, has now had a, a rush of blood to the head and, and got a bit hot under the collar, came out and, and made another blooper. So it, it's it's all round, I think, for Liverpool. Uh, and, and I don't, as, as Darren said, I don't know why they're having this extended blip. When they were at their lowest in terms of the amount of injuries that they had, you know, Van Dijk out, Gomez out, they did really well and they were top of the league. And now suddenly they've got a few players back uh, and, you know, and, and Salah's, all the, all the front three are still there. Jota's coming back as well. They've brought two new signings in. Suddenly they can't buy a win, which is, is really strange. We should focus on Leicester as well and extol their virtues because having gone 1-0 down, it looked at that stage as if Liverpool were, were going to win reasonably comfortably. But great character once again from Brendan Rodgers' side. And you can draw comparisons to when they won the title actually back in 2015 that we keep expecting them to fall away. And I'm not saying they are going to win the title. I think Manchester City will hose up and we'll talk about them in a moment. But in terms of the top four, you would make them a, a real contender now, if not favourites, to cement that that runners-up spot. I was really impressed with Harvey Barnes. I thought he was a real handful for Liverpool. And I do wonder, Darren, could he be making a, a late case for a place in England's Euro 2021 squad? I think so. I think Gareth Southgate has, has watched him. Um, and it seems that he's watching him more often than not now. Um, he's scoring a lot of goals, 12 goals in all competitions now for Leicester. Um, I, I think he's... Brilliant. I think he's a real workhorse as well. He's got the ability, and when we've seen he can get in behind, he's got pace. I don't think he'll make the squad, but he's got an outside chance. But barring if if, if they get some injuries, England, then he will be one of the ones I think Gareth Southgate will look to. And because look, he is he's one of the real breath of fresh air for Leicester this season. Um, and he showed just just before, obviously, with a Vardy. Um, the save that, that Alisson made off of Vardy just before he got in exactly the same I mean it was more for me down to Liverpool's defending to allow him to get in an identical situation but the second time he made no mistake and he's he's been fantastic this season and, and in terms of the game itself Brendan Rodgers made a key tactical switch Danny he changed to a diamond formation when they were struggling to get a foothold in the game how important was that decision from the Leicester manager in terms of the final result. Oh, but Brendan's a very, very good coach, uh, a very, very good tactician. And I think he's a fabulous man manager. And, the, you know, I, th- I think he's improved a lot of those players uh, at Leicester. Harvey Barnes, as you just mentioned, being one of them. Does he get in the England squad? Probably not. I mean, the, when you when you read through the names, and I just read a few, I, I probably missed out a load, but you go Madison, Grealish, Foden, Greenwood, Mount, Rashford, Sancho, Adoy, Kane, Abraham, Sterling, Wow. It's not bad. Well, you've got to pick three. <laughs> it's yeah, like, that's incredible. It's good and, to have. And, it's good to have. It is. And, 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 and that's the problem that he's got. You know, at the moment, there is so much attacking young talent, you know, in, in, in English young talent coming through. And I've probably missed a few names off there. Uh, apologies to any player out there that's you know, going to get offended. Um, but I think, you know, Leicester are, are doing fantastic well. You would have said they were cemented Champions League last season until yeah. Project Restart and they fell away dramatically. They had an absolute calamity, didn't they? They'll learn from that, though, won't they? Won't they be stronger for that experience? Well, <laughs> Brendan Rodgers will certainly hope so. Um, you know, and I think, you know, yes, I'm, I'm sure he's learned a lot about his players in that time, but the title's over. You know, it, it's cities now. Uh, I don't think any... There is no chance that anybody else is going to win it. You know, you don't win, you can't win the title. No one's ever won the title. Or Manchester United have, that, that's a fib, having lost five or six games. Uh, but th- most of those games were at the end of the season once they'd won the title. And, you know, then they lost a couple of games where they were playing a second string side because they had it cup finals or they had Champions League. You know, everybody apart from City has already lost four and more. It's only Manchester United that have lost four. So, uh, you know, you've got to have a great defence to win the league. You've got to have a great attack and, and City are, are way clear. But the top four fight, you know, is really on. And, and Leicester, again, have a great opportunity to get back in the Champions League. They had a taste of it, mm. of it last time and did very, very well. And of course, they'll be th- their fans will be thinking, 
right, okay, get in the Champions League, what another journey we could have because fingers crossed, you know, let's all pray together that, you know, next season the world opens up again and we can start travelling and, and Leicester can have a European tour. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Kenya's going to strike. Hits it now. Bends it over the crossbar. Beat the hand of Edison. Bounces down. Lucas keeps it alive into the middle. But Dyer can't convert. Now Jesus. Now Gundogan making a run in behind Spurs. And it's checked all the way. And the referee had pointed to the spot here. A challenge came in from Pierre-Emil Hoybier. And down went Ilkay Gundogan. Rodri takes it and just scores. It was guided low to Lloris's right. Manchester City lead by a goal to nil. Pass from Gundogan back to Sterling. Still inside the box. Rolled beautifully into Gundogan and he scored. He always seems to score. Terrible mistake by Hugo Lloris. And has just played a fantastic pass down the field. And Gundogan has it. And has scored a wonderful goal for Manchester City. It's 3-0. Gundogan has got the goal, no surprise, but the assist and an inspired assist was by Edison, the goalkeeper. It's over. It's blessed relief, the sound of the final whistle in truth for Jose Mourinho. It's been Manchester City's day yet again and they go seven points clear at the top of the league with a 3-0 win here over Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, finished Manchester City 3, Tottenham 0. Two more goals for Ilkay Gundogan. Is he making a strong case to be the Premier League Player of the Year? Without a doubt. Um, Kevin who? Uh, didn't they have some <laughs> other guy uh, who played in midfield that we were talking about? Best midfielder. David Silva? Oh, he's gone. Don't need him anymore. You know, <laughs> it, it's incredible, isn't it? And Gundogan, is it three knee injuries he's had? And I'm talking really serious knee injuries. He, he turned up with one, didn't he? Then he got another one immediately. And I think he had another, I'm talking you know, three really serious injuries that he's had, you know, since he sort of signed for, for Manchester City. So to still be doing what he's doing now and almost, I looked at him last couple of seasons as almost that sort of that holding midfield player, you know, just a, a continuation player, just to keep the ball, keep it ticking over. And suddenly now it's like Pep's giving him a new lease for life and it's gone, go and get yourself forward. And he's, He's sort of looking like that David Silva type of player that isn't particularly quick. You know, it just drifts into the box at times, picks the ball up, little drop of the shoulder, little shimmy, and all of a sudden it's in the back of the net. And I think he's incredibly underrated at the moment. Yeah, Gundogan, 11 goals in his last 12 games. He's the leading goal scorer in the Premier League in, in 2021. I guess the headache uh, for Pep is, is when De Bruyne is fit again. How does he fit him back into the team? But it's a nice headache to have. Uh, imagine how many more goals Manchester City would have scored this season if they could take a penalty. I know Rodri did manage to sneak that one in, but that was more down to, to bad goalkeeping from Ugo Lloris. And, and Pep saying afterwards, Darren, it isn't a laughing matter. We do need to find a specialist penalty taker. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I, can, I don't know what you think, Dan. I can see it coming. I can see the goalkeeper taking a penalty. I really can. It's like he wanted to. 
Um, they're, oh, he was they're, desperate, wasn't he? They're, 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 he they're was coming out saying, he, yeah, they're coming out saying he didn't want to. He just wanted to tell them what way the goal he died. He wanted that penalty. You could tell, and he was a bit disappointed when they said, "Nope, you're not having it." It would be a problem for anyone else when they're not scoring penalties. It isn't for them. You know, they are battering teams, and uh, I mean, it looks like sometimes they're not even trying. And it looks like that sometimes they're in second or third gear and they've got two or more gears to go. You know, I've, I think it's far and away Man City's this season. I think it will take a ridiculous travesty that if they don't win the Premier League. And I think they're loving every minute of it. I really do. But they've also, I also think they've all gone under the radar a little bit. You know, start. Of, no one was really talking about Manchester City. It was oh, they're having a bit. Of, they're struggling a little bit. You know, they're down there. They had a couple of games in hand, which obviously made their league position maybe not quite a, a true reflection of where they were playing. But they weren't scoring as many goals. You know, Ruben Diaz has, has formed a fantastic partnership with John Stones, and, and mm. defensively they look ec- excellent. Edison take you know forget about all his his distribution. You know, and he's an incredible passing ability. He's a really solid goalkeeper. He doesn't make many mistakes if any, you know, and it is very, very reliable. And it's almost like City have just crept up on everybody. You know, whereas before, when they were winning 5 6 7 nil, everyone was going, oh, quadruple. Mm. It's theirs to lose. They've got to win the quadruple. No one sort of mentioned that. And suddenly you think, oh, hang on a minute. The Premier League's now theirs. They've got to beat Tottenham in the League Cup. You know, decent, you know, FA Cup, every chance of that. Champions League, they're getting better and better. Suddenly, you know, you can you can quite easily see see City winning three trophies again. Mm. And they're doing this without Aguero, by the way. I, who is, you know, we all know what he's like. He may be coming to the end of his City career, but they're doing it without him, without De Bruyne for a lot of the a lot of the season. I mean, you look at the top goal scorers this season in the Premier League. I don't think they've got one in the top seven or eight. You know, but and they're still runaway leaders. And also, there was question marks over Pep Guardiola and could he improve players? And you know, does he just go out and buy players? Well, I mean, he's done it with John Stones this season. He's done it with Gundogan this season. You know, is he proving a point that no, I can improve players. I don't need a checkbook all the time. You know, we know Man City's got a lot of money to spend, and of course, but when you want to win titles, you need the best players. But this season, he's 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 proving a point that he can improve players. They haven't been behind Manchester City for a single minute in any of their last 15 Premier League games. Ironically, they've not, they've not conceded uh, a goal, have they? Or hardly? Well, it, <laughs> That'll be why. It's incredible, isn't it? And ironically, that the last time they were behind was a 2-0 defeat against Tottenham in November when Spurs won that game. Darren Ambrose, uh, an open Tottenham supporter, <laughs> was singing from the rooftops that, that Spurs would win the league. Suddenly, Darren, we're having to scroll a long way down the Premier yeah. League table to find Tottenham. What's gone wrong? And, and where do the supporters stand now on Jose Mourinho? Because I have seen some tweets this weekend saying that we should sack Jose Mourinho and bring back Pochettino. I, I disagree with that. I mean, look, firstly, shame on me for calling the Tottenham. I've said this before, the Tottenham title. You know, it seems once I called that when we're 3-0 up at West Ham, it's been an absolute capitulation you know by the time it's it's all Darren Ambrose fight listen Dan by the time I finished my blooming two A4 bits of paper saying why they can win the league it was free all (laughs) you know it's free nil when I started so yeah there's a lot of players not not good enough you know you don't want to see it and say it I mean Hugo Lloris is is I think coming to the end of his Tottenham career I think he's been an outstanding servant to the football club but Two, at least two of Man City's goals he, he should have saved. There, there's there's certain players. I think the Gareth Bale situation's been a disaster. Um, albeit, I was going to ask you about that because, on. well, Jose Mourinho publicly put him down this week, didn't he? Over a, a post on social media, Gareth Bale saying that he had a good training session. Then, of course, he didn't feature in, in the FA Cup game against Everton. And Jose Mourinho came out and accused Gareth Bale of, quotes stretching reality. What does that tell us about the relationship between player and manager? I, I think it's Mourinho. Is Mourinho wants better players? Mm. We know that. You know, Mourinho has built all his, all every single success that he has had on an incredible goalkeeper and a fantastic defence. And as Darren just said, the players that to do that aren't good enough. You know, so he's tried to be ultra defensive and play on the counter attack and play on the break with you know, because he's thinking if I've got to defend with six or seven, okay, that's fine. I've got two or three that can nick me a goal. And that's what he's been relying on. You know, at Chelsea, he only ever attacked with four. 
You know, that, that's all he ever did. And he was very, obviously very, very successful. In Balan was the same. So that's, that's his philosophy. That's what he does. Tottenham, he can't do that. And then he goes and plays expansive against Everton and they get slapped 5-4. And he's going, well, there you go. If you want me to play this, my players aren't good enough. But the Gareth Bale situation, Mourinho's not an idiot. He's still one of the best managers on the planet. One of the best tacticians. Everything is premeditated. He's very, very thoughtful. Incredibly intelligent, incredibly clever. If Gareth Bale was available and good enough to make Tottenham better, he'd play him. Mm. You know, we've seen that with Ndombele, who, you remember, remember when he outed him during lockdown and said that, you know, we've, we've given him a chef, we've given him a fitness trainer, we've given him a massage, we've given him this, we've given him that. And he's just not doing it. And you thought, well, that's it. And Domble is never going to play for Tottenham ever again. And suddenly he's one of the first names on the team sheet. So if Gareth Bale was doing enough in training and, and showing him that you know, he's capable of making a difference to Tottenham, he'd be in that team. I just think maybe with Gareth, uh, his, his body is not quite up to it or he hasn't got confidence in his body and, and that's causing him a problem. And then you start to think back to Real Madrid was it just a personality clash at Real Madrid or, or was there something deeper lying than that was it the injuries you know was Zidane looking at it and going he's not better than what I've got I can't rely on him because he's not consistent he's not doing it all the time mm. and and maybe there's a, a little bit of all that in it because we've both been in we've both had injuries Darren and it's tough it's hard to find that self-belief when you're coming back from an injury and if your game was all about pace and, and ability and running at people and you're not quite sure that you can do those things anymore, you become a shadow of your former self. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember with myself, I had a, a medial ligament injury in my knee. And I mean, I, I was out not that long, two, three months. But when I come back, I think it took me three months, four months to really be able to kick, like, kick through the ball, you know, because mentally it's tough. You remember the pain. You have like this, I don't know, pain memory that, that you can just feel it and you think, is is it going to go again? And if if he's feeling that, no amount of money, no amount of contract, no amount of um, accolades and trophies is going to stop him feeling that. It doesn't matter what's in your bank. You know, you're still going to... He still loves football, absolutely. Everyone says, oh, it's golf and this and that, but he still loves football. You know, he wouldn't be the player he is. He wouldn't be at Tottenham Hotspurs um, if he weren't. I'm I'm still hoping there's some kind of bail left left in him. I'm hoping Jose Mourinho can get that out of him. If ever a manager can, I think Jose is one of the guys that could do it. West Bromwich Albion won, Manchester United won. Two wins in seven now for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side after stumbling to that stalemate at the Hawthorns. Harry Maguire, the Manchester United captain, very unhappy with a couple of key decisions. But ultimately, if you want to be taken seriously as title contenders, you can't be losing at home to Sheffield United and failing to beat West Bromwich Albion, um, Danny Mills. And, And actually, I think it says a lot about the character in this Manchester United side or lack of that, that since they became title contenders in some people's eyes, since they got themselves in, into a position to challenge Manchester City, they've lost to Sheffield United. They've dropped points against West, against West Bromwich Albion. They couldn't take an Arsenal team to the store that really looked there for the taking. And of course they threw away late points against Everton as well. Do they need more leaders on the pitch? Oh, without a doubt, you know, but take Bruno Fernandes out of their team and they're, they're half the team that, you know, that, that they need to be. You know, how many times has he pulled them out of a, a really tough, tricky situation? I thought, you know, Harry Maguire's interview saying, oh, you know, we, we never get any VAR decisions. Oh, well, that was a little bit laughable. Um, I thought, I was like, Hang on a minute. Has he been watching the same games that we've been watching <laughs> for the last six months? You know, it was an unbelievable claim. Um, but yeah, they've... I mean, I, I got a lot of stick when they went top of the league and I said they've got no chance of winning the title because they're not strong enough. Uh, they're, they're not good enough. And people go, oh, it's because you love Leeds and because you played for Man City. No, it's nothing to do with that. I just didn't, they were, didn't think they were good enough. When you look at their, the players in their team, the two centre-halves aren't good enough to win the title. Mm. The goalkeeper, you know, once was unbelievable, one of the best, possibly the best in the world for a period of time. Not anymore. He's not. You know, and again, I get a lot of stick for this when I say that Rashford is is a fantastic player, 
but he's not consistent enough at those sort of levels. Pogba gets hammered, absolutely tortured for average performances at times. Rashford gets away with it. And I know, forget what he's done for the country and forget what he's done as a person and as a man, that is off the scale. And he deserves all, he deserves a knighthood. He deserves all the plaudits, whatever he gets for that, brilliant. But I think because of that, he gets away with a little bit on the pitch sometimes. He's not as clinical as he needs to be. You know, is how much better is he than Martial? Not a great deal. And when you look at, without, you know, they're relying on Cavani. Okay, you can say they relied on Ibrahimovic a while ago when Mourinho came in. But United, I don't, don't have the strength in depth and don't have the consistency to challenge uh, Manchester City. When you, when you look how easy they got knocked out of the Champions League, that's, that's poor. That's, that's really, really poor game management in that situation. And, and that's why I said they, they wouldn't win the league. And furthermore, Darren Ambrose, I don't believe it's a shoe-in that Manchester United finish in the top four. Okay, they're second uh, as we record this podcast. They're seven points behind Manchester City. They have a buffer to the teams trying to gate-crash those Champions League places. They've got a tough run of games coming up. They've got Chelsea and Manchester City in their next three matches. And they've got Leicester away in the FA Cup quarter-final. No guarantees they're going to go through in that competition. If they do, they'll lose the semi-final because that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does. I kind of feel like they're in a false position in second place. Yeah, I think there's a genuine risk of them falling away this season. I do. Squad depth, like like we've discussed in, with everyone. Um, if something happened to Fernandez, I think Man United would be in big trouble. I mean, he's been, I think he's been involved in 38 goals in his first 38 Premier League appearances. I mean, that is phenomenal. 13 goals, nine assists this season. We we joked downstairs, Crookie, you being a Man United fan, where where would you be without Fernandez? And you said we'd be Arsenal. So I understand <laughs> so what you're a, saying. That's a, bit, that's, a, that's a bit generous. I reckon West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it's it's true. I do feel you'd be mid-table without Fernandez. I don't think th- there's a team... You could probably say Crystal Palace with Wilfred Zaha, but I don't think other than that, there's a team that relies on an individual player as much as Man United rely on Fernandez. Um, so the next big games, Chelsea, Man City, as you said, is massive. You know, this this could this could make or break. This could tell us if they've got the character first and foremost to change today's result against West Brom which look you should be beating teams like West Brom have they got the character to turn that around play a Chelsea play a Man City and get victories if not there is a real risk that they could drop away yeah, it was a great goal from Fernandez, but as you say there, they can't keep relying on one player almost to carry them through the season. And inevitably, so many games, fatigue is going to catch up with him as well. What about West Bromwich? I mean, it, it seems churlish to say it when you take a point at home against the team currently second in the table, but the draw doesn't really do a lot for their survival hopes, Danny, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, and I feel for, for Sam, obviously he's... He's, all, he's got this fantastic record having never been relegated, you know, coming in and, and doing an incredible job and, and performing miracles on, you know, time and time again. But that is always based on working on the training ground, getting a few players in and being very, very solid defensively. But having that time to work on the training ground about organisation, set pieces, going through shadow play, which is the most boring thing on the planet. But it works. And, you know, and once you, once you start getting clean sheets and you're difficult to beat, then you rely on set pieces, long throws, you know, counter-attacks, whatever it might be. But because of the, the situation we have at the moment, you know, the sort of the festive period and combine that with the COVID situation, the games are too thick and fast. You, you, you might get one day a week, maybe, on the training ground. When Sam's been in that sort of situation before, those teams haven't been in Europe. They haven't been in any cup competitions because they've been knocked out. So basically, he, he was doing Saturday to Saturday. So you come in Monday morning and you work really hard until Thursday, you know, probably some of those two sessions a day on getting organised, being hard to beat. He doesn't, he can't do that at the moment. And, and I think that's where he's probably really struggling. And I just, I look at them at the moment, you know, you look at Sheffield United, you look at West Brom and just think they're down. You know, they've got to win four or five games just to get out of the relegation zone. And they've, you know, they've they've won two, two and three all season. Yeah, Sheffield United in action on Monday night. We'll preview that game later. If that's two of the three 
relegation places field. And I, I tend to agree with you, Danny Mills. Maybe the third one is it, slightly more open now, given a fantastic victory for Fulham away from home against Everton. First ever league victory at Goodison Park. Josh Madger at the double, an instant hero with the Fulham supporters. And actually, that's reward for a string of improved performances over the course of the season. I mentioned this on the boot room with Darren Ambrose and, and Darren Bent. You have to give Scott Parker an awful lot of credit for how far Fulham have come since those first few games of the season. We remember when they were hammered by Arsenal, that the Arsenal fans were, were planning open top bus celebrations because they were going to win the title. It's changed almost the entire starting eleven since that first game of the season. They've made themselves more defensively resolute. They've been creating chances until Major turned up at the weekend. They didn't really have anybody to stick the ball in the back of the net. Could this be the first step on the road to a, a relegation great escape, Darren Ambrose? Out, out of the three of them, yes. I think they've got more of a chance of, of getting out of it. I really like Scott Parker. Um, I've said this before. I think he's a, a fantastic manager. I think he's honest. I think he's a type of manager that a player would want to play for. Um, I think you look at him and he just says how, what he feels. Of course he does. And today was a, a brilliant result, but it's too many draws. And he'll know that. You can't keep picking up draws. It comes a time in the season, and we've kind of gone beyond that with West Brom as well. You've got to start picking up wins. It don't matter how you get them. You just need to pick up points. And Fulham have picked up too many draws. Like we said, today is a fantastic result for them beating Everton. Didn't really see that coming. You know, the next three games are massive for them. Burnley, Sheffield United, and Crystal Palace. You know... They're teams that Scott Parker would look at and earmark and think, we can get results with these. You know, they're teams in and around us. If we've got any hope of getting out and surviving, we need to beat these teams. And I think he'll be pushing that onto his players in this coming week, in these coming days. Like Danny said, the managers don't get that long with the players on the training pitch, which is probably unfortunate, as he said, to, for, for Big Sam, because that's what he needs. He needs that that time on the training pitch to, to put his ideas. But... Scott Parker will earmark these next three games as huge, potentially the the, the season-saving games. And in some ways, Danny, is, is it almost a free hit for Fulham? Because we'd all written them off. The bottom three were down. Maybe Burnley, with their win against Palace at the weekend, thought they were safe. Newcastle picked up a couple of important victories of late to put daylight between them and the bottom three. But in some ways, there's more pressure on the likes of Newcastle now with Fulham coming up on the rails than there is on Scott Parker's team. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's, always, there's always one team at the end of the season that goes on a fantastic run. And that run comes from nowhere. You know, there's no, there's no form behind it. All of a sudden, some, some team at the bottom of the table, you know, in, in the bottom five, suddenly wins three out of four games. You know, four out, gets, gets three wins and a draw out of five games. And you think, where did that come from? You know, look what Leicester did, you know, when, when they managed to survive and then obviously went on to win the, the Premier League the following season. It always happens and one team goes on an incredibly bad run. Whether that's going to be bad enough for Fulham to get themselves out of it, who knows? But wh what I like about Scott Parker is he knows he's inexperienced. He knows he's very, very young. And I know at the start of the season that he was speaking to older coaches uh, very, very senior um, people that he'd worked with in the past and just asking advice. He knew that his, there was an issue at centre-half and he was, you know, he was looking for, he's not arrogant enough to go, look, I'm, I'm young, I'm going to do this my way, end of. He was getting advice from every single corner that he possibly could saying, look, I need a bit of help here because I, I'm young, I'm inexperienced. How do I get the best out of this defence? What formation do I play? What do I do to improve these players? So, from that side of it, I think, you know, if he can get himself out of it, the amount that he will have learned this season, you know, about himself uh, and about his players, absolutely superb. Plus, he's still one of the best dressed managers in the league. So we, <laughs> we need him in the Premier League. And you know what? That goes back to when he was 16, when I first went to Charlton. So bearing in mind, this is a, uh, this is a long, long time ago. You know, this is what, 20 odd 20 odd years 24, 25 years ago I think Scotty was about 16 years old was, was an apprentice 16, 17 imagine turning up back then with like with skinny trousers on and Gucci loafers with no socks 
<laughs> that's that's our style. He's ahead of he his was, time, isn't he? Oh, I was 15 <laughs> years, 20 years ahead of his time. Scotty Parker was unbelievably stylish even back then. That is what you call setting your stall out, isn't it? Um, yeah. Everton aren't really setting their stall out at home right now. In fact, you have to go back to the 19th of December for the last time. The Toffees tasted victory in the Premier League at Goodison Park. That's a big cause for concern in terms of their aspirations, maybe even to challenge for a Champions League place. But I just wonder, um, Darren, they had that incredible game, didn't they, in the FA Cup in midweek, that nine-goal thriller against Tottenham that, of course, in the end, they, they came out on top of. But how much toll did that take on Everton's players, do you think? They didn't have Calvert-Lewin either because he hobbled off in that game, but mm. they looked flat. Yeah, they did. Um, and it was a, it's a game that they'd have expected to win. You know, no no team goes out thinking, oh, this is three points for us this like today. But, you know, it's a game that the fans, the manager, you, you would expect to, to beat Fulham. And like you said, they did. They look flat. And, you know, they had a lot of games in hand on, on the top four prior to today. You know, they've still got a couple of games in hand. They can still pick up their results. They can still get into that top four if, if they win their games in hand. But points on the board we always know is is better than games in hand and Calvert-Lewin limping off he's a he's a big miss you know they they need to get him back as soon as possible because he is scoring all their goals Richarlison doesn't look the same player in my opinion without him um so yeah look flat today but like you said the the, the game against Tottenham could have taken it out of them of course see how they react to this, this defeat well, they have to regroup pretty quickly, don't they? Because they've got Manchester City next up in that game that was postponed around about the, the festive period. I think Calvert-Lewin, according to Ancelotti, before this game against Fulham, should be back for that match. But it's asking a lot, isn't it, Danny? You've had a 5-4 game in the FA Cup. You've been beaten at home by a really energetic Fulham side. And then you've got Manchester City coming to town. Yeah, and, and the problem, I think, for Everton is their strongest 11, they're a really good team. They're a really, really good side. But suddenly, if you get two or three injuries, you know, Alan's been missing for a while. He was sensational mm. at the start of the season. That holding role allowed Andre Gomez, allowed James Rodriguez to start pushing on, you know, and, and those players, it just, they could then be creative. And then they can go and Gilfie Sigurdsson, they could then go and do what they needed to do. Uh, without him in the side, it, it's difficult. You know, Godfrey and Mason Holgate had to play at centre half today. Again, you know, two youngish players in those positions. You know, if that's against Manchester City, that's going to be really, really tough for them. And I just think Everton are a work in progress. They've, they've improved uh, since last season. I think Angelotti has made them a lot better, but they're just a little bit inconsistent at times. And I think it's because they don't maybe have the real strength in depth that they need. But as Darren says, with a, with a little bit of a run in form, suddenly if Calvert-Lewin goes on a bit of a goal spree yet again, that top, the top four is very, very open. Mm. It's wide open. When you look at the teams, you know, Chelsea got games in hand, West Ham, Everton got two games in hand, Villa got two games in hand. They could all leapfrog up the table and really be pushing on, on Liverpool's tails, you know, come, you know, a, a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating battle, isn't it, for those uh, final Champions League places. Darren Bent has been touting Arsenal as uh, a potential team who could yet gate crash the top nothing. four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a great win for them, wasn't it, um, Danny, against your old club Leeds? I know you were, were particularly disappointed um, with that result, yeah. but Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, his first ever Arsenal hat-trick, if ever a striker needed to get back on the goal trail, it was him. Do you see this as a turning point now for Aubameyang? It's been a difficult season so far in, in lots of ways. Yeah, I think up until today, I think he scored five goals this season, you know, and, and so he's all, he's all, you know, a three today, that's fantastic for him. He's also had personal issues um, and, and huge family problems, and that's why he's sort of missed the, the last few games, and he's obviously bounced back from that. Leeds were very, very flat today. You know, they, they didn't start their usual selves. Uh, I think Bielsa maybe over-tinkered with the team a little bit. Calvin Phillips out is massive. You know, it's absolutely huge when you take Calvin Phillips out of that team because he's the glue that holds everything together. And then, of course, he, he then moved Struik into midfield and then put Shackleton at right back and Ailing at centre-half. So for, for one player out, he's made three or four changes to the system and Leeds didn't look fluid in any way, shape or form. And, and Arsenal, Arsenal were decent. Arsenal, they started well, to be honest. But you can't afford in the Premier League to give teams three, four goal leads. You know, it's simply, you can't do it. But... Again, Arsenal, they're not, they're not consistent. They're not going to make top four. 
they're, they're not consistent mm. enough in my opinion Arsenal can they can win a, you know they, they should realistically they should be beating Leeds when you there's not a single player in that Leeds side that gets into the Arsenal side Calvin Phillips maybe but you go actually Partey plays ahead of him if, the, if he's fit so you think when you look at it I know Partey didn't play today but you'd go so Arsenal should be beating Leeds they should be way above them in the table Leeds have done exceptionally well and you know I think Bielsa's got 150% out of his players for the last couple of seasons so it's not a huge shock is it that Arsenal beat Leeds a team that have remember Leeds have been just promoted from the championship this is Arsenal that should be challenging for Champions League places I do think they might have to change their style a little bit next season because we've seen yes. a lot, a lot mm. of teams in the championship str- who've come up from the championship struggle in their second season. I think teams will start to work leads out and they might just need to be a bit more defensively yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it's so much that, Alex. I think what it is is there's a, there's, a, there's a glass ceiling of playing that way. You can only go so high because you're going to win some games, you're going to lose some games. And you're, so you're only ever going to finish around about probably at the highest mid-table because you're going to lose too many goals. You concede too many chances. Leeds have created more, as many chances, I think, as, as all the top six teams. They haven't quite been clinical enough at times, but the amount of goals they've conceded, most goals from set pieces, most you know, from corners, uh, I think long throws and free kicks. So they've got to sort that out. Again, because they have this strange man-for-man system at times. The only way to do it is to change your philosophy slightly and think, okay, at times I have to be a little bit more defensive or you do what Manchester City do and you just buy the best players in the world. But that's rather expensive Hmm. and I'm not sure Leeds been in Yorkshire are likely to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That Yorkshire frugalness. Um, On the subject of glass ceilings, Southampton, six successive league defeats for the first time in their history. They went down 2-1 at home to Wolves in our high noon showdown on Talk Sport on Sunday. Wasn't that long ago. They beat Liverpool. They were four points off top. They're now four points off 17th place Newcastle. Ralph Hasenhutl, um, Darren Ambrose, after the game, said VAR was destroying football. Um, now, obviously, they won the up at half-time. Fantastic strike from Danny Ings on the volley. Handball given against Ryan Bertrand. The VAR will argue that Bertrand's arm was in an unnatural position. He was making his body bigger. I didn't see it that way. Southampton feel particularly aggrieved because there was a, an incident against Aston Villa a couple of weeks ago where Matty Cash actually moved his wrist, mm. flicked his wrist out and, and handed the ball. That penalty wasn't given. Do you have sympathy for Ralph Hasenhut? Because even in this game, there was another handball at the other end, Den Donker, almost identical to Bertrand. The penalty wasn't given Southampton's way. They do seem to have been on the wrong end of an awful lot of decisions of late. Yeah, you can have a little bit of sympathy for for him, for Southampton. But that, you know, everyone has rough decisions. Everyone's got bad decisions this season. They may have had more than their fair share. But it does tend to even out. And it really will towards the end of the season. You can't sit there and moan. Do you and do, believe that? I, I do, yeah. I think yeah. it will even itself out. Look, you may get one sway in either way, you know, but you may get some teams that have had more better decisions. But look, at the end of the day, VAI is here to stay. We can moan and moan about it all we want. And we do. Everyone moans about it because it's not being utilised correctly. That's the issue with it. Um, but VAR isn't didn't lose them 9-0. VAR hasn't put them on a six-game consecutive defeat. So you can't just pick this decision out and say, well, we were doing very well prior to this. You know, they still shouldn't have gone on and lost this game. So you're just looking for excuses when when you're blaming VAR. Like we said, VAR is not being utilised correctly. The rules are all over the place. They're getting changed left, right and centre. So something needs to be done about that. But as a manager and a football team, you can't keep blaming it. It was a big win for Wolves, Danny, particularly with that Fulham victory against Everton. Had they have lost again, maybe they would have started to cast anxious glances down towards the, the bottom three. And they showed good character because they were really poor in the first half. They, they came out uh, full of energy, much more committed in the second half and take away the VAR controversy. That The winning goal from Pedro Neto, that was a superb piece of individual skill and a great finish from a tight angle as well hey, yeah I think Wolves and Nuno have been unfortunate I think this season because of the success of the last two seasons everybody's going oh where are they going to finish now oh they've got a 
they've had two great seasons. They've got to push on. They've got to be looking for Champions League. Well, hang on a minute, steady on. You know, they, they lost Yotta. You know, right at the end of the transfer window, couldn't replace him. They lost Doherty as well. Now they've lost uh, Raúl Jiménez. It's three of their best players. Mm. You take three of the best players out of any team and you're going to struggle. And then you're bringing in new players in the pandemic with all the things that are going on. Players having to stay in hotels and quarantine and having no sort of life and getting to know their, their area, their players, having no social life and expecting them to just come in and hit the ground running. That's, that's not easy at the best of times, let alone in these, this sort of pandemic situation. And if so, if you, it's about, it's like Southampton and Wolves. If you said, you know what, you finish ninth and 10th, 11th, 12th even, you know, at the start, you go, you know what, that's probably about right from where, where you look at the other teams. We look at the quality of players and the sort of money that you spend and the players that you've lost. You go, yeah, anywhere between probably 8th and 12th is about right for those two teams. But because you have a really good run, everyone goes, oh, look, at that. They, they could win the league. They could get in the Champions League. Oh, hang on a minute, calm down. <laughs> you know, football doesn't work like that. It evens itself out. You know, you go on these great runs, you win six in a row, then you lose five in a row or whatever it might be. That's why Manchester City, you know, are the best at what they do. You know, Liverpool in the last couple of seasons have been the best because they just perform week in, week out because they have the best players. Mm. And generally, the team with the best players wins the league. And the team with the worst players goes down. And everybody else is somewhere, somewhere in between. into the middle and headed over this time by McAllister that was a huge chance for the Seagulls here's Trossard inside the 18 yard box could have cut it back for Byrne tries a couple of step overs Byrne oh. with a shot blocked at the near post this time Douglas Louise and John McGinn sitting deepest in midfield for Villa here's Barkley with a shot from the edge of the area straight at Sanchez Brighton out muscling cash and pulling it back to Trossard just on the edge of the box here's a chance for McAllister to shoot deflected that's a good save by Martinez he's done really well Martinez so commanding Beltman onto his left foot gets the shot away it's another brilliant one-handed save by Martinez very much the star man for Aston Villa here's Mope in the area away from Conta can he get a shot off in the end he sliced it wide Tyro Mings heads it down inside his own penalty area Lalana to Welbeck hooks it goalwards another good save by Martinez but Maybe Welbeck will be disappointed he didn't make firmer contact inside the six-yard box. Full-time at the Amex. Brighton nil, Aston Villa nil. Emmy Martinez, absolutely fantastic once again for Aston Villa against Brighton. Live on TalkSport 2 on Saturday night. 26 shots. Brighton had. I mean, imagine how good they could be if they had a proper goal-scoring centre-forward. But Martinez, keeping his 12th clean sheet of the season, made one stunning save from a long-range strike from Leandro Trossard, another from a bullet header from Dan Byrne. You're going to say Edison, Danny Mills, but I think Martinez is right up there as, as the best goalkeeper <laughs> in the Premier League this season. I told you, goalkeeping's easy, man. You've got gloves <laughs> on and all sorts. <laughs> you can use your you can use any part of your body. You can, you know, no, he has. He's been sensational. And I've heard a lot of people go, oh, wow, he, he's come from nowhere. And it's like people think it's the holy bleep effect that, you know, he's just suddenly appeared on the scene at, you know, at the age of, what was he, 27, 28. He's just turned there up. 10 years. Well, and this is the point. He's been doing this since he was, I don't know, probably a professional clubbish since he was 12, 13 years old, learning his trade. He's been a fantastic sort of number two at Arsenal. And suddenly now he's been given his opportunity. Uh, and obviously games like yesterday help. You know, when you're getting peppered with shots, you know, sometimes goalkeepers are better like that. And I'm sure Darren's been in training sessions where the goalkeeper just seems unbeatable because mm. he's, in the, he's in the groove. He's, in, he's seeing the ball, it's like the size of a beach ball. You know, and all of a sudden, he, every single thing he saves, it's those moments like where what Allison had, where you're doing nothing for the whole game, and suddenly you've got to make a great save. That's when they become world class goalkeepers. I mean, yeah, he, he has been sensational, but I think when you look at Edison, the big saves he makes in big games, his distribution. If you had to go out and buy a goalkeeper tomorrow for Manchester United, who would you buy? 
Well, if you had a blank check, but you you would go for Edison. But if you were well, saying, you to, so but if you were saying to me, like it, it, <laughs> in the summer, David De Gea is moving on to Parsha's new and Martinez is coming in to replace him, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I, th- I think he's he's deserved it. I think he deserved more of a crack at Arsenal uh, for what he did at the end he's of, saying, of, of last season. He's better than Dean Henderson. I think he probably is better than Dean Henderson. He was a fan's favourite at Arsenal. Who, they didn't want to see him leave. It shows what kind of not not just what kind of player he is, what kind of guy he is, and he seems like everyone really likes him. You see, when at the end of almost every game, there's a lot of hugging going on with him. You know, there's tweets sent out from people always congratulating him. You know, to keep that many clean sheets is fantastic it, for 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 a team like Villa, who you know people do attack them. But then he's got to be thinking, particularly look Brighton, the forward players have got to win me this game. You know, I'm doing all I can to keep these clean sheets. Go and win me this game. And it's not happened. So I think he would much prefer to not keep a clean sheet and win the game. I really do, as opposed to keeping these clean sheets and getting draws. So, you know, the forward player's got to help him out a little bit more. It's interesting you say that because actually um, in the press area at Brighton, we're right above the, the tunnel so you can see everything that's going on as the players make their way back to the dressing room. He was furious at the end of the game. They're reanimated and, and you can see he was gesticulating to Dean Smith and John Terry and saying, I had too much to do there. I had too many saves mm. to make. So that, that flies in the face a little bit of, D- of what different, Danny different, was different saying. Menta- different mentality to strikers, aren't they? Striker would rather score a hat-trick. With Darren Bentwood. <laughs> exactly. Alan Shearer would happily, would, would happily score a hat-trick and lose 4-3. Yeah. It's all about them. Goalkeeper, now as, as much as I've given goalkeepers a bit of stick and, and that, that, you know, that's tongue-in-cheek, it's an incredibly difficult job. And, and also, being a number two is one of the hardest jobs mm-hmm. as a goalkeeper that I think that you get in football because you always have to be ready. You always have to train like you're going to have to play in the weekend, knowing full well that you're never going to get a game. You know, no one ever changes the goalkeeper, do they? Mm. You know, to, to you know, oh, let's make a tactical switch. Let's change the goalkeeper. Let's bring him on for the last half hour and, and get a run out. It's, you know, you've got to be professional day in, day out. You know, you can never let your standards slip and you've got to be ready, having maybe not played for a season two seasons and suddenly you get thrown into the mix and it's a really difficult job but you look how so well no, he's he, done now Danny like wh- why why do you think he has been number two for so long considering how, what a good goalie he, he is well uh, or why has no one else picked him up yeah I think that, that that would be the one wouldn't it people talk they must see him in training they must have seen him in games before and go this this is a talented guy mm. he got his chance at Arsenal because of a bit of an injury whatever and so they hang on a minute he's he's out there but he's, it's not like he was 19 yeah. and, and suddenly he just all burst on the scene. He's been around for a long time. And as a goalkeeper, I think, you know, experience is, is absolutely everything. Uh, Dean Smith described Aston Villa's performance to me after the game as bang average. They've made fewer changes than any other team in the Premier League. Only 21 alterations to their starting lineup over the course of the campaign. To compare that, for example, to Manchester United, who are at the top of that particular table, they've made nearer 70. And I just wonder, again, if that lack of squad depth might be starting to catch up with them. I've already depressed Danny Mills, Darren Ambrose. It's your turn now. Crystal Palace hammered at home by Burnley. <laughs> this is a Burnley side. It only scored 14 goals all season until the weekend they go to Selhurst Park and they win by three goals to nil could have been more it highlights the old problem for Palace again when Wilfred Zaha your former teammate doesn't play they rarely win they rarely pick up a point it was also Roy Hodgson's 350th Premier League game congratulations to him not many managers have reached that milestone but I do wonder now and we've talked about it over the last few weeks on this podcast 12 players out of contract in the summer Hodgson's own deal expiring in the summer looking at that performance on Saturday is it time for a change? Uh, Well they won't do it now like you said potentially at the end of this season but I I think that could be it could come out as it's Roy Hodgson's decision. They may have a chat with him. Um, I think he has come out recently saying he would. He, he doesn't feel like he needs to stop. He, he would like to sign another year. It potentially could be. Look, we all know like the affiliation over Palace. Everyone knows about that. It, they've conceded a goal in the first five minutes in three consecutive games. Now we talk about Leeds giving teams head start. That's just not good enough. You know you can't. What what is going on in the warm ups? What's going on in in the preparations to go out and and it's not it's not the first time either. The, the West Ham was first ten minutes, Everton first ten minutes, Villa five minutes. I mean Burnley they were two 0 down. If you remember in in ten minutes, 
it's not that good enough. You know, they've picked up enough points, I feel. I think 33, 34, maybe less will do it this season. So I think they've picked up results and, and points early enough to keep them safe. But do you just want to be a team that's safe? I mean, he picked up a, a result against Wolves, who prior, prior to that, they'd won one in eight. You know, Newcastle, you're saying, people are saying, oh, we've beaten teams on form. They lost six out of eight before the Everton game before Palace. So you're not beating teams that you don't expect to be. I, I've, all, I've I've said this recently and I'll work down Crystal Palace and the last three seasons, we're just a team that will stay up. You know, we're a team that we're not going to be in a relegation battle. We're not going to challenge for anything. You know that, that's... And, and, and that's the board, Darren, isn't it? That's that's the yeah. ambitions of the board. I, I look, I look at the team and look at the quality of that squad, and think if Roy Hodgson leaves, realistically, who's going to get better out of that? Yeah, you've got Benteke and Batshuayi up front. You know, I can't remember the last time Benteke scored more than three goals in a season. No, you know, it was some some time ago. It's, that's not Roy Hodgson. I sport. think whoever, whoever comes in is is probably looking to change the complete team, the complete club. And they, and As, they tried that, didn't they? They tried yeah. that and it nearly it nearly went horrendously Yeah, and, and it really could. I mean, Alex has mentioned, I've listed a few. Jeffrey Schlupp, Sacco, Townsend, Benteke, Van Arnold, Tyrick Mitchell, McCarthy, Klein, MacArthur, Ward, Cahill, Kelly. They're all out of contract at the end of this season. Batshuayi got and, an option and, and, to and, buy. And also... And also how many Premier League teams will be going uh, desperate to sign him? No, sign exactly. Him. There'll be a few. I think Van Arnold would get another club. I think. Yeah. Um, but it's, bo- it's bottom. It's bottom end of the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah. It's not. He's he not, might he's end up at Arsenal. Arsenal. I think eight or not, eight or nine like said, of them bo- players. Bottom end of the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eight or nine of them players will be desperate to sign a new contract at Crystal Palace. Now, are they waiting on a, a, a new manager at the top of the, the helm to, to to see what he wants to do? The guy could come in and say, look, it's going to be clubs after Zaha. There always is. He could come in and say, look, sell Zaha, get as much money as we can. Let's rebuild. I mean, I I, I pinpoint, I, you know, I nearly screenshot a few of these yesterday because it was winding me up. The amount of crosses that was going in and Benteke, Ayu was there as well and Batshuayi, you could throw a blanket over them all. They were in the same position and, you know, the, these guys... You need these guys. When Wilfred Zaha isn't playing, you need someone else to step up. And when Cross is going to the box, particularly Christian Benteke, that's his game. Get on the end of it. Nathaniel Klein put a fantastic crossing in the first half. It flew into the six-yard box. He was nowhere to be seen. He was at the back post, basically moaning why you haven't chipped it to the back post. Make a move into the box. Head it. You know, that's your game. Well, for all of Palace's deficiencies, we we should praise Burnley, and particularly that the goal from Loughton. It was his first in the Premier League for eight years. When he does score, they tend to be spectacular. And if that was Danny Alves playing for Barcelona, we'd be replaying that for years. It was a, a terrific strike. They play Fulham on Wednesday. That looks a big game now because Burnley aren't quite out of the danger zone yet, and Fulham will go there in confident mood, of course, having beaten Everton. How big a blow, Danny, for Burnley very quickly will... Ben Mee's injury be because that looked a nasty one as he was carried off on a stretcher. Yeah, it will be because he, he's been, you know, he's very, very solid at the back and the centre-half partnership defensively, they, they, Burnley had a few issues early on in the season, but this is, it's a massive game. I mean, if Burnley win, as, as Darren said, you're almost going there safe because re- realistically, you are, you're looking at, normally it's what, 36 points is enough. Mm. You know, if they win that, that puts them to 29 points. So you're looking at, what is it, with 15 games to go, 14 games to go, they need two wins. They're going to get that. They're going to pick that up at some point. You know, and all those other teams have got to win games as well. So it's a huge game, absolutely massive. If Fulham, not the end of the world if they lose it, but it makes it so much. I'm only looking now at the bottom six as potentially being in trouble uh, two games on Monday night uh, both big ones as well actually West Ham against Sheffield United first up West Ham underwhelming I think in the FA Cup in defeat to Manchester United at Old Trafford and uh, I think a lot of their supporters were disappointed with that performance but they do have an incentive 
in this game. If they win, they would go above Liverpool. They could go above Chelsea as well, who play later in the evening and into the top four. Do we see a comfortable home win or do we think Sheffield United could make a fight of it, Darren Ambrose? Sheffield United will definitely make a fight of it. They have to. Um, Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham, Newcastle, Burnley, they have to make these, these games fights. That It's the only way they've got a chance. West Ham are, like we said, a good team. No one expects them to be where they are now. I think a lot of people predicted they would be down there. But they've far exceeded. David Moyes has done a, a fantastic job this season. Like you said, they could leapfrog Liverpool. You know, who was if you said to any West Ham fans, twenty-four games gone, you'd be above the champions. You know, you they, they, firstly they'd have probably expected to be top if you're above the champions after that many games. But to be ab- above them, maybe in the top four after tomorrow, will be a brilliant achievement going into the last fourteen games of the season. But like we said, Sheffield United have to make this a fight and and I think they will I think Chris Wilder will 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 have them fired up you know they need wins we've said this them teams down there they they can't just play well anymore just get a win whatever means necessary and it's been a frustrating weekend for Sheffield United, kicking their heels, watching at home. West Brom pick up a point, Fulham pick up three, Burnley win at Crystal Palace, and all of a sudden they're even more adrift of safety. Uh, Chelsea at home to Newcastle. Chelsea going really well under Thomas Tuchel. He certainly improved them defensively. I think we're still waiting for them to click fully as an attacking force, but a big blow, Danny, for Newcastle. No Callum Wilson, a torn hamstring. He's going to be out for several weeks Without him in the team, it's difficult, isn't it, to make much of a case for them picking up anything other than a pretty comprehensive defeat in this game. Yeah, Chelsea under, under Tuchel, have hit, they've hit a bounce, haven't they? I mean, they were terrible against Barnsley, you have to say that, but I think they made they made 10 changes mm. in that game. Me and Sam Matafaisa were at the game, and it was a woeful performance against Barnsley. They, you know, they did not fancy it on a cold Thursday night in Barnsley. <laughs> you know, that that is for sure. Uh, but New, I mean, for Newcastle, against Steve Bruce, more injuries. Just when they get a couple of decent results and you think, oh, he might just get a couple more, suddenly one of his main players gets injured. And, and he's been hampered with injuries all the way through, you know, last season, you know, before and after lockdown. And then this season, well, huge injuries to key players. So Maxman's been out for a period of time. You know, he, he's got all the flair. He's the creative spark when he comes on. And then suddenly, you think, oh, he's back. Him and Wilson can cause real problems. I know Wilson's now out for, you know, six weeks or so. And I, I, I do feel sorry for Steve Bruce at times. Um, I think he, he's, he's fighting a losing battle all the time. You know, unless he wins 4-0 every week, Newcastle fans aren't going to be happy. And, you know, they're playing scintillating football. But it's a big game. You know, they've, they've got to be careful. You know, with, let, let's think if, if Fulham managed to get, you know, if they managed to beat Burnley and then suddenly Newcastle lose, you know, by the end of the week... Newcastle are really looking over their shoulder. Yeah, it could be down to four points, the gap between Newcastle and the bottom three. Of course, you can keep abreast of all the midweek action across the Talk Sport Network. It's a big week in Europe as well as the Champions League and Europa League return. That's all we have time for. Thanks to Danny and to Darren for their expert opinions. I can't think of uh, two better looking people to spend this Valentine's night uh, with <laughs> and I'll be back on Thursday uh, Thursday tea time alongside Sam Matterface and of course the Daily Mirror's Darren Lewis to look ahead to another busy Premier League weekend and that includes a Merseyside derby The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.